Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan and I'm joined by... I'm Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast. How are we today? Yes, we're quite well. We're speaking in a third person. We are. So all things are good and well in our life. How about in yours? Yes, things are good. Been playing, blasting through, load of games, one after the other. So yeah, things are good. Um, Today, we are discussing the second Splinter Cell game, which is Splinter Cell Pandora Tomorrow. Now, Splinter Cell Pandora Tomorrow comes in at number 86 on our Metacritic list, and the average score from our critics is 93. The game came out in 2004, so 16, 17 years old now. Um, Okay, as per usual, let's start with uh, your history, not only with the title, but with the series. Would you like to reveal to us your history? Yeah, a bit mixed. I mean, I I didn't have um I didn't have the original Xbox growing up. I had a PlayStation Two, um and before that I had a PS One, but it was one of those games that the first Splinter Cell in particular I thought was really cool. And I saw um a few friends playing it on their Xbox, and I thought that it looked very futuristic, very uh, very different. And I was quite interested in playing it, but because I didn't have an Xbox, I couldn't until they finally released it on the PS2 uh, a few years later, and I managed to, to have a go on it, and I quite liked it. I thought it was hard, but it wasn't, like, punishingly difficult. It was doable. Pandora Tomorrow I owned, and for some reason, I don't know why, I could never get past the first level. I, I don't know why. Um, what bit were you getting stuck on? I, You know what? I think it was... The bit right at the start where you, you go... So it's just before you find Douglas Shetland. Yeah. And you have to kind of climb out to the side of the bit. I just don't think I could work it out. And it did my head in. I was like, no, I don't want to play it anymore. So I just turned it off. <laughs> um, so that is my experience with Splinter Cell 2. Not getting past the first level. Then Splinter Cell 3 Chaos Theory I played the hell out of. That's a really, really good game. And I'm really looking forward to us going back to play that one for this list. Because it's on here. Um, but I played that one a hell of a lot and there's a load of stuff that I really like about Chaos Theory and then my final bit of experience with Splinter Cell was Double Agents which I also thought was quite good I know there's a few different versions of it yeah. but the version that I played was on the PS2 but yeah that was a that was a good game as well so it's, it's a pretty mixed bag with Splinter Cell uh, I always put it in the same somewhat of a similar category sorry to Metal Gear Solid but yeah, it's it's quite varied. How about you? Yeah, um, I've completed all of the Splinter Cell games with the exception of Splinter Cell Essentials on the PSP. Um, so yeah, I describe myself as a big fan of the series. And my start with Splinter Cell, similarly to you, was to see it advertised for the Xbox. Mm. And it looked great and it looked like this exclusive game that was going to sell xboxes and then yeah yeah, about a year later it was ported by ubisoft shanghai to the ps2 and gamecube so i picked it up on the ps2 um now i don't know if you remember this but the ps2 port of uh splinter was vastly inferior to the xbox version yeah definitely with um with basically the graphics were, were reduced drastically and um i had pandora tomorrow on my gamecube but i didn't really play it that much i don't i remember bits but um i don't think i played it through or anything like that so my experience playing pandora tomorrow came when they released the hd collection on the ps3 so i played through all of them there um chaos theory like you um i played at the time i played it on the ps2 again um which again is the inferior experience but Still playable, still enjoyable, um, and I've 
I love I also love Chaos Theory. I think it's great. And then Double Agent, you've got you've actually got three versions, but they they say there's two versions. So they say there's the um what's what would be the last gen version, which I think is version two, which would be the PS2, GameCube, and Xbox version. Um, and then there's the version one, which is for the PS3 and the 360. Yeah, but but actually, if you've played the Xbox, PS2, and GameCube version, you'll realise that the Xbox version is vastly different from the uh, PS2 and GameCube version as well. Yeah. So, um, and that's purely, I think, for technological reasons due to load times and things like that. So the levels were broken down more in the PS2 and GameCube. And I think you took some different routes through the levels, even if the levels did resemble the ones on the Xbox. Uh, um, fair enough. And then Convictions, obviously, was them trying to branch out to a more uh, broad audience, I'd say. Casual. Yeah, and that was that was a 360 ex- exclusive. And, and surprisingly, to this day, remains a 360 exclusive ex- that you can play it on Xbox One as well. Um and then um, Blacklist, which was the final one, came out in 2013. Um, it was a very good game, and it, it kind of was the best of both worlds. Um, had the stealth experience from the earlier games, but also some of the action from Conviction as well. Um, and then we didn't see Splinter Cell for a very long time, and we haven't seen Sam Fisher for a very long time. Um, so yeah, I, I love the series. We mentioned last week about the three tentpole stealth series, and they are Metal Gear, Splinter Cell, and Hitman. And I love all three. Um, they're just right up my alley. So yeah, I, I really love all three series, and I love Splinter Cell. So this was this was an interesting one to go back to. Um, okay, so what version did you play for this playthrough? I played the HD collection on the PS3. That's the only one that I, I own. I know that you started it on the Xbox, but you advised to steer clear of that version. Um, yeah. So I think you, you ended up playing it on the same as me, didn't you? Although you did yeah. try on the Xbox to begin with. Yeah, so I don't quite know what that was. I don't know if it was just... Because I'd just come off playing Hitman, so I was very used to a very different style of stealth. Um, started playing Pandora Tomorrow on the Xbox, and... The AI just seemed really, really finicky. Now, the ex- <laughs> the example I'll give is there's a room early on where you're in an auditorium and three guards enter and you're hanging from the ceiling via a, um, a pole. I know and, what you're uh, talking about. Yeah, so on, on the Xbox version, I was literally in the middle of the ceiling. Um, there was no light on me. I was in pitch black. I wasn't moving. I was waiting for them to leave and one of them did leave. But the other ones kind of do rounds of the room. And they did a round. It was fine. I hadn't moved. I hadn't decided how I was going to proceed yet. Um, And then came back and did a second round and spotted me. And I thought, what the hell? Like, what was different between the first and second round? Um, So I thought, the AI is really finicky here. And the reason I stopped playing it was because (laughs) I kept getting caught. (laughs) And it was just getting on my nerves. Um, So I thought, I don't remember it being like this. And I thought, for the sake of this playthrough and for me to have an enjoyable playthrough, I'm going to play the version that I played before, which was the PS3 version. Yeah. And I had had no issues with that one. So there obviously is a difference there. Um, I don't quite know what it is. But um, I know that historically, the AI has been a bit tougher on the Xbox versions of the Splinter Cell games, so it could just be that. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, so um, I also played the PS3 version. Now, the other the other big difference between the two versions, the the Xbox version runs in 4K on the Xbox One X and the Xbox Series X. Um, so you get a nice sharp image, but you do get the uh, borders on the screen, whereas the PS3 version is zoomed in, so you don't actually get any messing with the aspect ratio but you just get a kind of zoomed in image, but I prefer having the full screen image because yeah. you can actually see more what you're doing than yeah, having the letterbox image. Um, yeah, so played the PS3 version, and then the PS3 version also offers a different kind of save system as well. Um, okay, <laughs> my challenge to you is can you relay the plot of this game in about 30 seconds? 
Yeah, I think so. Are you, are you going to time me or are you just going to um, I'll, I'll t- I can time you. So starting from now. All right. So there is an ex-CIA anti-communist soldier who leads a guerrilla movement called Sedano. He takes over the U.S. Embassy in, I think, East Timur. And he has this scheme in place called Pandora Tomorrow, which is a um, it's a terrorist plot to basically put multiple explosive devices on the US mainland, which will go off and infect the population with smallpox. And as Sam Fisher, a member of Third Echelon, you go and do a stealth and save the day. And that's my wrap up. <laughs> of the story yep you do a stealth. you don't really you don't really need any more uh it's in these games um up until maybe um double agent the the story really took a backseat to the action yeah and definitely. that's the case here it's just an excuse for you to go gallivanting around the world get into some stealth action and visit exotic locales and destroy so, metal gear yeah i know uh, Face off against Metal Gear and uh, make sure you change your costumes while you're at it. Well, absolutely. That's very important. And don't cross the United Snakes of America. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so that is the, the plot of this game. So let's move on to the always present feature, uh, Gameplay is King. Now, is Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Pandora Tomorrow a fun game to play? yeah i think so it's it's got quite a few niggles that i really didn't enjoy and a few times where i just got annoyed with it and didn't want to play it anymore i i think do you want to give some examples of those well i think the save system obviously it it isn't really anything to do with the gameplay but the the save system did my head in a little bit and it took me a while to get my head around it but in terms of gameplay i think it's now mostly been kind of killed in in modern games but it's like the um the the escort mission and you don't have an escort mission per se in in pandora tomorrow but there's a section where you've got to go through jerusalem following another agent and keeping out of sight of guards and i just i just can't stand questing games where you've got to follow someone and they're going really slow or you've got to escort them it does my head in there there are a lot of elements in this game that i really did enjoy um such as you know all the gadgets that you get to play with which you know make a return from splinter cell one and then make an even better return in chaos theory but overall i don't know if it's the that the environments that you're in because a lot of um pandora tomorrow takes place outside and that didn't really jam with me and i don't know why because i love metal gear solid 3 but when I think of Splinter Cell, I think of, you know, like in the first Splinter Cell game, I think you, you infiltrate the CIA building, don't you? And yeah. and things like that. Whereas you start off in Pandora tomorrow in, you know, in East Timor, trying to, you know, get into a US embassy building in the jungle. And I don't know, it, it just didn't really mesh with me. It, it works relatively well. And there are good elements of the game. Like I say, the gadgets, um, and the stealth, when it works, when the guards aren't being overly sensitive to stuff, is pretty decent. But mixed feelings, I think, with the gameplay and how fun I found it. I found it to be a bit more of a slog, to be honest with you. But I think that's a lot of it's just down to the levels. What about yourself? Well, one of the things that I read about this game is that the developers really wanted to em- emphasise outside environments... Um, because as you say within this the first splinter cell the majority of it does take place inside so they wanted to adapt that design from the original game to work with outside environments i think for the most part they achieved it um there are there are definitely some issues here and there like for example um there's the level later on where you're you're going through the proper jungle and the light system, it's, it's not always easy to pick up the visual cues, whether you're no. in the dark or not. Um, whereas in the first game, if you were, if you saw pitch black, you run into the pitch black, you know you're, you're safe. Um, whereas in Pandora Tomorrow, 
that's not always the case and sometimes there's some shadowy areas that you're not all, you're not completely hidden in wasn't quite um, clear enough yeah it wasn't as black and white <laughs> um yeah so pardon the pun yeah so i i agree um i really like the jerusalem level though not not necessarily i mean i, I didn't mind the escort stuff because actually you do you go off and you take a detour onto the roofs and things like that but i really like the atmosphere of that level you can feel the oppressiveness uh in the air and i think it's one of the more fascinating levels in the game um i'd say generally it's fun but i'd say that it does get surpassed by later splinter cell games um i do prefer it to the original to actually playing it <clears throat> i'd rather play this than the original game and you played the original relatively recently didn't you yeah i played it to death recently um last year i played it at least well about two and a half times through um so yeah i'm i, I would rather play this than uh the original game I just think I prefer the scenarios a bit more than the original game because you do have CIA HQ, which is a great level, but then you've also got the abattoir, which is awful. You've got the oil rig, which is unfinished. Um, you've got some really not very good levels in the original game. You've got some great levels as well, but um, like Chinese Embassy, that was yeah. also pretty horrendous. <laughs> um and I, and I feel like it's a bit annoying because on, on this metacritic list the original game was originally on the list um that we had put together but yeah, when we when worked we started it out the, uh, when we started the podcast it was on here wasn't it yeah and and basically a few games have come along since that time and knocked it off and we redid our list and we finalized it now so splinter cell did not make the cut damn you been interesting. part two and hades yeah and a few others as well, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a shame we 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 couldn't go on to Pandora tomorrow after playing the first one, discussing that, um, just for I suppose completeness. But what what I think that we don't get to experience with the original game is that there are some really really frustrating elements there. You've got some forced confrontation sections. You've got this ridiculous mechanic where you have to follow guards who input key codes and if you don't get to the keypad within about five seconds and use your thermal vision to input their code you fail the mission and yeah. go back to the checkpoint and it's there's just some bad design in there there's some fantastic design like cia hq as you say that's got brilliant design and um the first level in georgia that's got great design as well but yeah, there's some really dodgy design in there that they kind of ironed out. So I wouldn't say that, to me, it wasn't as frustrating as the original game. But yeah, I definitely see that what you're saying. And I also think the whistle enhances um, the gameplay quite a lot as well. Um, okay, so what's your favourite move in this game? It's probably um, a lead on from, from the first game where you can jump higher on the walls and kind of do the splits and stand up there. But in this game, they improved it a little bit. So you could jump higher and jump through windows and stuff like that. I quite yeah. liked that. Um, and another thing that, again, I think it was in the first game, it's definitely in Chaos Series, uh, taking guards out of the Sticky Shocker. Whenever Yeah, that's in the first game. Yeah, whenever I play a stealth game, I, I usually I'll try and do it um, non-lethally, unless I really screw up, which happens often. But usually I'll try and go the non-lethal route. And for the most part, I did it on this game uh, usually just going for sticky shockers or sti uh, sneaking around or just knocking people out but the sticky shockers are fun and like I said that the move where you kind of jump and do the splits on the wall above and can climb a little bit higher I liked that and it's just like the small elements that obviously aren't in Metal Gear Solid until MGS4 like crouch movement yeah. it's such an obvious thing to have in a stealth game and it blows my mind a little bit that that wasn't included in Metal Gear Solid until 2008. Whereas yeah. this game came out in 2004, the same year as MGS3. Um, but yeah, just small things like that, which then obviously became a huge um, part of traversal in MGS5. But yeah, I'd, I'd say those kind of three things. It's the small details, I think, with this game. How about yourself? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point about the, the crouching. I remember when I first played, I said to you uh, that my first MGS game properly was MGS3. 
Mm. And it was really surprising to me at the time that you couldn't crouch, that you had to crawl, which seemed really slow. And so that that took some getting used to, even though I love that game. Um, so yeah, it's true that this game has that and uh, does it actually better than Hitman and MGS, I'd say, because you've actually got some speed to your crouching, whereas in Hitman you move like a turtle. You mean the so, old Hitman games? Yeah, the old Hitman games, you move like a turtle. Um, it's really slow. Um, but um, yeah, so that's that's an interesting point. In the first game, you've got the uh, the split jump, which is the full split jump. I, I I don't know if this that was in this game actually. I didn't I didn't find anywhere to use it, and it wasn't in the tutorial. But you've got the half split jump here, which is uh, the one that you do use. Yeah. And that's the one that allows you to get to higher areas. That's it. I, I I really like the half split jump. I think that's a nice addition. I think the whistle, as I said, I mean in the in the first um, spin cell game, you had to throw bottles or cans to get people's attention, but now you can do it with the click of a button, which the is the whistle screwed button. Screwed me. At the start, oh, really? of through absolutely. Oh, first bad guy of the entire game is when you kind of uh, shimmy through that little fence space, and then they're like, "Oh, Sam, you should go and um, do a distraction, shoot out the light, and then grab him by the neck." And I was like, "Okay, no problem." So I went up against the wall, and then pressed L two, and he just whistled. I was like, "Sam, we do you don't whistle." And then I failed the mission, and I had to go back. <laughs> yeah, I think I think damn whistle. I think it's a good addition. Well, like I, I don't know about you, but I, the more I played, the more I started using it. And um, as I went further in, it's just good to get enemies away from each other. Yeah, definitely, because then you can deal with them a bit easier. Yeah, and sometimes they're packed in really tightly together, so they're obviously designed in such a way that they're supposed to be exploited with the whistle button. Yeah, so. Yeah, so I, I like that. That the, the half split jump is, is the one that I really like. I I just like the way that Sam moves. He's got this weight to him, like yes. doing a roll and things like that. It all feels still feels really good in twenty twenty one. Well, which... you you can make the other comparison to MGS again. It's like when you do a roll as a snake in MGS two, he just kind of flies. He's very floaty, isn't he? Whereas, like you say, there's weight behind Sam rolling in this game. Yeah. And and I feel like the animations blended a bit more nicely because mm-hmm. at the end of a roll in um, MGS, you get this awkward thing where he stands back upright, whereas in Splinter Cell it's really fluid. Yeah. Um, so it feels like they've mo-capped the uh, animations here, whereas it never felt that way for a long time in MGS. Yeah, agreed. It wasn't until MGS S4 really, was it, that they managed yeah. to start getting that stuff correct? Because they redid the engine, didn't they? So yeah. it was time for a change. It's funny, funny to think that they used the same engine for MGS 1, 2, and 3, but they just enhanced it each time. Yeah. Well, actually, no. 1 was probably different, but... I imagine 1 was a bit three. older, but yeah. I know what you mean. Like Bethesda, yeah. reusing their engine for 17,000 They're still reusing years. it. Are they, are they reusing it on the new Elder Scrolls that's I'm, coming out? I don't know. Maybe. That is mental if that's the case. Uh, they're probably not, but it wouldn't surprise me. God damn it, Bethesda cost cutting at Bethesda um, yeah so yeah, I, I think generally it's, it's pretty fun to play um, now we touched on the AI a bit I, I do think that the original game the AI is a bit more fair I feel like it's a bit more black and white and I feel like here sometimes it gets a bit confusing and I think different levels, in different different levels, it 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 varies. The AI does. Um, I did want to touch on. Uh, so, what what were some some of your standout levels, and conversely, what were some of your most hated levels? I quite liked. I quite like France. Um, I think because at, at the start, obviously, the like the first uh, level in France, you you're in that cryogenic lab. And that felt very splinter celly to me because it had just come off the back of being outside, which I didn't really enjoy in this game. I quite like that one. And then later in, in France, you've got the train in, um, is, it, is it Nice? Yeah, so you're on the train from Paris to Nice, I think. That was it. I, I quite I quite enjoyed that one as well. Um, 
just because it was a bit different, a bit standouty. My least favourite level was probably Jerusalem. Um, and like you say, you, you quite enjoyed that one. But yeah, I don't know. I just found Jerusalem a bit, a bit boring. Didn't really didn't really jam with it. Same with LAX. Wasn't too keen on, on that either. But the, the standout would be the whole kind of France section, I think. What about you? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I wasn't a fan of the, the cryogenic lab in France. I mean, I found I find the first two levels of this game really slow, and it took some time to heat up. Um, and that my problem with the cryogenic lab is that it's an okay level, it's a nice idea, but you're in Paris, but apart from one section where you get to look out the windows and see some look what looks like French delicatessens in a in a courtyard, and they all look identical. Um, <laughs> There's nothing to really say that you're in Paris. What about feel all like the really good Paris? French accents? Because that was yeah. something this game did really well, is that the fact that everyone from another country still had an American accent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there are, I think the excuse is that they're all American mercenaries working for these international organisations. Boo, what yeah. a cop-out. Outrageous. Uh, so so I, I just felt like it didn't have much of an identity. Uh, but I'm, I'm all I'm all about the atmosphere. Like Jerusalem, the fact that you've got these pedestrians walking around. I mean, I, I don't want to get political or anything, but Jerusalem obviously is a, is a very a political hot zone. Let's put it that way. And uh, I really felt like that playing this game. I felt like well, it's done a really nice pressed. job. Yeah, oppressive. It was. It, I felt that, and and having this. Um, curfew where people weren't allowed onto the streets they really told that story nicely um and it was as opposed to the the paris level for me it was full of character that was quite unique because there's never been anything like this since i don't think um in a spin cell game so it was a really nice kind of um, offshoot level sure and so i really like that i also like the train the train is just set piece heaven for me yeah i mean it was just a pure set piece but as i said to you i've just finished playing hitman 3 and spoilers so tune away now if if you don't want to hear about uh the final level of hitman 3 um so in hitman 3 the the last level is on a train but i I felt like the train in pandora tomorrow was better than that train because it actually allowed you to use the tools that sam fisher has whereas in hitman 3 you just you can just blast through if you want to and this the stealth is very limited so yeah I, I really enjoyed the train as well i think that's where our taste crossover and uh lax was all right um the other the other level that i really quite liked was uh indonesia i think it's either jakarta or kuala lumpur yeah I think with it's the tv jakarta. station yeah i like that level as well again because you've got it's just atmospheric you've got um the neon lights of the TV station in the distance. You've got the heavy rain. Mm. Um, you've got the streets. I also what I what I like about some of the levels in Pandora Tomorrow is that they really play with verticality. Um, like I said, you go onto the roofs in Jerusalem, and in in um, Jakarta you go onto the roofs as well. You can climb up the pipes and you can you can get past that way, or you can stay on the ground. And obviously, having that verticality opens up the gameplay a lot. Whereas in the original Splinter Cell, often it was very much walk down this corridor, um, shoot out this light. I mean, there's a, there's, there was one level which was the, the Chinese streets before the Chinese embassy, which had a bit of verticality. But um, Yeah, I remember that. You, you see it a bit more here, which is nice. Yeah. So, so my, well, my least favourite levels, like I said, are probably the first two and there's a couple dotted in between yeah i think this game is very this game is very hit and miss yes yeah that's and it's very short description of it i'd say hit and miss it's very short as well so i mean i played it with two days so and it wasn't like i was playing for the whole day either i was playing for i think i must have completed it in seven or eight hours yeah same here i mean I i was playing persona alongside this um and I did it over a weekend as well. It didn't take me too long. It was about seven, eight hours overall. Maybe a bit longer. Okay, so I suppose one thing that we haven't discussed is um, 
so much is the audio and visual aspects of it. So, I mean, to you, graphically, how did this look for a game that's obviously from mm. 2004? I think you've probably got a better handle on this because you've recently played the, the prequel to it. I think for a 2004 game, it looks okay. I, I still feel that it, there was a, a fair bit of blockiness about it, and this is the, the HD collection we're talking about. I also remember talking to you about the frame rate because obviously on the PS3 it automatically plays at 1080p, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and the frame rate was dreadful until you, you suggested turning it down to 720 and then it, it became a bit more manageable. But, I mean, comparing it to... I've, I've brought up a few times on this podcast, the games that came out in 2004 were a class of their own. And obviously, you know, you've got GTA San Andreas, which on the PS2 didn't look amazing it looked good and I'd kind of put this a little bit higher than GTA San Andreas in terms of the the image for it obviously they're vastly different in terms of the the art style but I don't know there's just something about it in terms of the look that I wasn't sure about and it just felt a lot more aged than it should do I think so when Splinter Cell came out, the original, in 2002. Um, it looked amazing. Mm. It looked so, so good. The original on Xbox, it looked better than most other things on the market. Um, now, obviously, a couple of years has passed and Pandora Tomorrow came out. I'd say it looks slightly better than the original game. I think the lighting's improved. Um but it's not until Chaos Theory came out that you'd see the, the leap, which looks like an almost generational leap. Um, this is kind of in between them for me. And I think other games started to catch up with Splinter Cell in that time. I think, I mean, to me, this looks a lot better than San Andreas because what this game has is uh, dynamic lighting and, and lots of uh, physics and yeah. there's a lot going on under the hood with it. Um, and I think it's a nice looking game. It's a pleasant looking game in the right scenes. Uh, so like in that first level, you get the bit with the, the, the sunset over the sea. That looks great. Um, but then there are some bits where it looks a bit drab and yeah, like you get the view of the, the Paris courtyard and you see the duplicated yeah, <laughs> the delicatessens, delicatessens all along. Yeah. It's the difficult I mean, that... second album for Ubisoft, wasn't it? Well, yeah, well, a bit, bit, bit of background there. I mean, uh, now that you've mentioned it. So the original game was made by Ubisoft Montreal and uh, Ubisoft Shanghai, like I said, did the port for the PS2 and the GameCube. Now, the responsibilities for um, Pandora Tomorrow were Ubisoft Shanghai, so they created the single-player game. So it was a completely different company handling the single-player here. And Ubisoft Annecy in... France um, handled the multiplayer and then for Chaos Theory we're back to Ubisoft Montreal uh, doing Chaos Theory and I believe with the versions of Double Agent you've got Ubisoft Shanghai doing the PS3 and the 360 version and you've got um, Ubisoft Montreal handling the PS2, the GameCube and the Xbox version. So really, so a bit of... it, it shows that Montreal was the, yeah. the better studio, I think. I would say, and, I would say. You know, like, it, it feels like it's a very different game to, compared to the other two, and that would be why. But yeah. we haven't mentioned the, the multiplayer, and yeah, you and me don't play that. But I've heard nothing but good things about it. Obviously, the, the online... Um, the online has been shut down for years. It's, it's an old game. But the Mercs versus Spies multiplayer stuff I've heard was brilliant. Yeah, so I've played it, but I've not played it on Pandora tomorrow. I played it on Double Agent, and it is really good. It's really fun. Completely yeah. unique. Nothing else quite like it out there. And this was the game that started it. And most reviews of the game mention the multiplayer. Yes. So I think that's a big reason why it's here on this list. I think without that, I think it wouldn't quite be on this list. So um, that's something to consider when we're talking about how the critics viewed it. Yeah, quite um, possibly. 
yeah, so it's, it's it's an interesting game, and I suppose for Ubisoft Shanghai, they had to make improvements, but they probably weren't allowed to reinvent the wheel, and they were probably on... I, I know, I remember reading that they were supposed to get this out within a year, and I think they went just over that, um, because obviously they, they'd released the uh, PS2 and the GameCube versions of the original game within that time as well, so maybe they had a year from then, but apparently it was developed within a year, um, so obviously... They probably weren't allowed to make that big leaps, whereas Chaos Theory had a good few years to get it right. And I know that they started work on Chaos Theory straight after the original game. I see. So they had a longer lead time onto it, which might be why Chaos Theory is such a well-received game, maybe. Yeah. Had longer I mean, to be developed. I mean, to me, this is this is that middle ground between the original game and Chaos Theory, but Chaos Theory is far and away superior to me yeah it's a brilliant game okay on to our question of the week now i mentioned earlier that the last time we saw sam fisher in an adventure was um splinter cell blacklist in 2013 and we're now this is going to be the eighth year that we haven't seen sam fisher in a game i don't know if ubisoft has any plans i don't have the inside the inside scoop with them but um so my question is what would you like to see from a Sam Fisher comeback? Probably more of the classic stuff because I know I've not played Convictions. I watched um, I've watched some people play it back in the day, or it might have been Blacklist. I, I get them confused. Now, Danny used to play Convictions at uni, I think. That was that's probably who I'm thinking of then. And I remember watching it, and it just didn't feel very Splinter Cell-y. Not, no. not compared to the older ones and like like we said earlier it felt like it had been catered down to more casual audience which is good because it gets more people playing the game but I feel that when they did that they sacrificed the original gameplay which is what made the Splinter Cell series great and although I've got my gripes with Pandora tomorrow it still keeps to that it's pure it's a pure yeah, experience yeah yeah and I think that if they ever did do something bringing Splinter Cell back I think they really need to focus on not having the story at the forefront because I remember in Double Agent, and I'm going to throw some spoilers out there for anyone that hasn't played Double Agent or the other games, but with Double Agent, it's it's said that Sam's daughter, Sarah, who's like a serious staple, gets hit by a car and dies, and that's his kind of... That's his reason for going undercover with um, the JBA. But I feel from there, because I think in Convictions or in Blacklist, is she still alive or something? No, she she is she is dead. Right. She, I, I, canonically, she's dead. So I remember hearing something that she... Oh, would... wait a minute. Maybe I'm getting this confused. I haven't played Convictions or Blacklist in a while. I, I, seemed, I seem to remember in, in Convictions you hunt down the person responsible but i don't know if in the back of my mind it turns out that she's still alive i never pay too much attention to the story yeah it, it, it rings a bell but the thing is like that kind of stuff it's just a little bit it just doesn't feel in line with the original stuff and like double agent kind of went on its own path and was like okay your daughter's been hit by a car and that was the story but then like convictions and whatever else had all of these really weird plot lines to my knowledge. Like I said, I've not played it. I can only go off what I know about it. But it focused a lot more on the overall story. And like you said earlier, that the story in the first three games really takes a back seat. And I think that's what makes those games good, is that it is just the gameplay. It's similar to MGS5. You and me don't think particularly highly of that game, but it's hard to argue that it is the gameplay strong point of the series because there's just so much you can do and i think that if ubisoft did bring back splinter cell their their best way of doing things in my opinion that would make me interested i think would bring it back to general consensus of this being a good series is if they just focused on the stealth and the gameplay and the environments and ditched all of the weird story obviously you've got to have a skeleton of a story there but just keep it simple it doesn't have to be you know the next 
Stephen King novel with all the twists and turns and your daughter gets hit by a car but actually no she's still alive you know just go back to the basics go back to the roots exactly the same as what I'd say about Halo I think that it just needs to look back at where it came from and what made it good and stop trying to improve on that stuff because it was already a decent franchise for the first three to arguably four games where do you stand on it? Well see see People often overlook Blacklist because Blacklist really was a reboot of the series. Um, Sam Fisher was younger. They got a new voice actor. Well, they um, got rid of Eric... my client side. Yeah, so they got yeah. Eric Johnson, who's, who's actually quite a well-established uh, American actor. But yeah, I wasn't a fan of that either. I mean, I'm never a fan of these old series changing voice actors. So that that is a gripe of mine with it. Yeah, yeah, that and... Um, I mean, there's there's a few that come to mind. I I, I remember they were in talks to uh, get the person who does the voice of Hitman um, changed as well, but that never happened, thankfully. Good. So that's uh, good news. But yeah, so so they so they changed voice actor for Sam Fisher, which was a shame. That being said, I do think he does an all right job, but it's just not quite Sam Fisher. It's not quite Michael Ironside. But Blacklist is a really good game. And it and it really toes the line between you can play it pure stealth if you want to, um, and you've got a lot more options at your fingertips, and it's got some really nice levels in there as well. Um, but I think the issue that they had is they kind of lost its identity because they were trying to cater to this broader audience with the more actiony aspects, but they also had this stealth side for the purists. But you can't really, if if you don't know what the game is you can't really I don't know it doesn't really I wouldn't say it excels at either in the same way that something like Chaos Theory did it just kind of exists well I'd say it's really good but it doesn't excel as in it's not it's not special is it yeah it's just run of the mill well not even run of the mill I think it's better than run of the mill but it's not you're never you're never going to say it's one of the best games of all time it's a really solid game Mm. I mean it got um, I think it got 82 Metacritic which is about right to me. Um, right. So that kind of says where it lies. But I'm just wondering, if they did a Splinter Cell in 2021 in the style of Chaos Theory, how that would go over with people? And I, Now, I suppose what I mean by that is, think about the Hitman reboots. Yeah. So what they did was... They took all the great stuff from Blood Money and they gave you more of it and they gave you bigger environments, more complex AI and more options for hits. Um, so they were obviously really successful. That's a reboot done right. But they also kind of expanded a bit what Blood Money did. So Blood Money's got those iconic hits that I love, but um, they were expanded. Obviously, they're, they're larger environments, as I say, better AI. So, could a Splinter Cell game in 2021 function like Chaos Theory did? Because everything now is about openness, open worlds everywhere. Well, I was about to say it's Ubisoft, so they'd probably turn it into a weird open world game. Yeah, and I, I don't want that, but... I think they can't just do a Chaos Theory greatest hits either. Well, the, the, the thing is, when, when you've asked these questions to me before about uh, what, like with Halo, what does Halo need yeah. to do to get back to being great? Part of me always thinks that some things should just be left. And obviously this is a hypothetical question. Yeah. And I'd, I've seen in, in the news yesterday that the, the film industry is well underway they've cast some people to play Joel and Ellie in the last of us film yeah I've seen that and a lot of people are excited for it and that's cool and you know you've got Tom Holland playing Nathan Drake in the Uncharted film and I like Tom Holland he's a good actor I don't particularly have fond feelings for Uncharted but you know people are looking forward to those things and it's great but I look at that stuff and I just kind of feel like (sighs) what's the point well, I know what the point is to make all of the money. Money, 
Yeah. But I don't see what the point is from from a from a fan's perspective. From an artistic standpoint, because yeah. if you want to watch a film of The Last of Us, play Last of Us. Yeah. You know, that that game is a film in itself and it's a masterpiece. And you know, people are very divided about The Last of Us Part 2 for a number of reasons, but those are two very long pieces of interactive media that in my opinion are better than films and games are kind of taking over from film a little bit I think in terms of the amount of money that they bring in and the amount it costs to make them but something should just be left alone and personally I think for Splinter Cell it did have its day and if they did bring it back it might have some success you know Metal Gear Solid 5 did pretty well even though it wasn't ever really a series that went away but I, I don't know I, I just I'd question the need to reboot Splinter Cell and they're good games and I know that it has its dedicated fan base and you know there are YouTubers that I watch like um, Game Ranks and Jake Baldino always talks about how much he wants to see a new Splinter Cell game but we've got the good Splinter Cell games and we've got the not so good Splinter Cell games as well and I don't I don't have a problem with the fact that we've got them they're there they're not going anywhere and just let it lie I I've got a lot of passionate feelings about sequels for sequels sakes and you know I made my opinions very clear when The Last of Us Part 2 was released that I thought I don't see a need for this game to exist and I ended up very much enjoying it I thought The Last of Us Part 2 was great and it really it hit me in some some spaces that I didn't realise I could be affected but yeah I I don't know it's yeah I think that's a, I think that's an interesting point like I think said, it's hypothetical, but that's kind of where I yeah. stand on it. Well, I think Ubisoft has been working behind the scenes for a long time. Mm. Apparently, they've been taking pictures from internal studios for a hypothetical new Splinter Cell game. So I don't think it's a matter of if, I think it's a matter of when yeah. it happens. That wouldn't surprise me. Because it's one of my favourite Ubisoft series. Um, I think it's one of the ones that I mean, Assassin's Creed, there's just been so many of them that... It's hard to remain interested. Yeah, and this is someone that's... I've played all of them, but I don't know how much I care anymore. When there's been Um, that many games, there's always a peak. And I mean, for Assassin's Creed, my peak was uh, Black Flag. Yeah, Black Flag was great. That game's brilliant. And they've brought out some good games since then in that series. I quite liked Unity in the French Revolution. Syndicate yep. in London was all right, and that's pretty good as well. Then I know that and I liked Origins. I liked Origins. Yeah, I know people I really like Origins. Origins. You're a big fan of that game. I didn't play it. I played Odyssey, and I thought it was okay. But yeah, I've I never really by Odyssey. I've never really gone back to the the level of hype I had playing as a pirate and playing as Edward Kenway in in Black Flag. Like, I think series have their their high points, and then from there, it's very difficult to get back to them. And people would disagree with me because, like you say, Origins is apparently fantastic, and it's a bit of a, 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 a series reboot to some extent. But I think that the, the the high point with Splinter Cell came with Chaos Theory, and then after that, Double Agent was was pretty good. But from there, it never really got back to where it was, and that's why I'd compare it with Assassin's Creed. You know what I mean? See, I think version two of Double Agent, which is the Xbox, the original Xbox version, mm. is just as good as Chaos Theory. It's a and, very good uh, game, and I played that a lot. So that that's so you played the PS2 version of it, didn't I you? Did. Yeah. So we're going to play the Xbox version for uh, one of my what is now fifteen games um, because I I love that game and I think it's just as good as Chaos Theory, um, but hardly anyone's played it because. Obviously, everyone wanted the big shiny next gen version, which I I got at the time. So you can can't blame it, people. People lost out. Yeah, uh, and I and I agree with you. I I don't like sequels for sequels' sake. I mean, Uncharted is at a place now where I I'm, I'm quite happy for them to Just let not it go. make another one. Yeah, I I really enjoyed Uncharted Four. And then they did the Lost Legacy, and that was fine as well. That was quite enjoyable. But I, well, put it this way, I'm I'm quite happy not to see 
another Uncharted game with Nathan Drake because his story's over for me. Well, that's so, it. And we, we mentioned it before, that, that quote that you attribute to James Caan in regards to The Godfather Part 3, that when you're doing a sequel to something years and years after yeah. the last one, there's only one reason that you're doing it, and it's for money. Yeah. You know, and with with Konami, with Metal Gear... Ah, uh, you know, they don't did, want to see another one. Well, they, they, they brought out Metal Gear Survive, didn't they? Yeah. And that did not well, because I think a big case was it because it, it wasn't to do with anything with the original story, really. And there was no solid snake in some series. They rely on on that, you know, the protagonist. The God, yeah. The, the Godfather heavily relies on Michael Corleone and, yeah. and um, Don Vito. But obviously Don Vito, his story was finished in Godfather Part 1 and then prequel in Part well, 2. In, he was in Part 2, wasn't he, as De Niro? Absolutely, but it was a different kind of story. But then Part yeah. 3, is, you know, it's sequels for sequels' sakes, it annoys me. Yeah, but, but at the same time, to play Devil's Advocate, we wouldn't have three fantastic Hitman games and I would be completely up for another three of those um because i just love playing them and and of course there's no guarantee that that the quality is going to stay that good but if they could achieve that level then i would be happy but it's it's that big big isn't it it? yeah that's it and Uh, the other thing i was thinking was that chaos theory was very it was it was a a tight game with great levels and a fair amount of flexibility within the levels, but the levels weren't huge. And I, I was trying to think of a modern day counterpart to that, a game that does something similar, and I couldn't think of anything. Um, I've not played it, but maybe Control. Maybe. Yeah, but I think that's more about the story than. Because mm. uh... I mean, obviously, the new Hitman games are completely unlike their stealth in plain sight and it's all about yeah ai behavior and, and, and the you crowds do and, you want. yeah it's complete i mean it's completely different they're, they're all stealth games but hitman's always been completely different to the other two um so yeah I, I just i was just trying to think of something and i couldn't think of anything i mean maybe maybe our listeners would have a suggestion as to what that would be i don't think there are that many stealth games anyway you get the kind of um you get the action games that have a stealth option nowadays, which is uh, like your Assassin's Creeds. Every game has a, has a stealth button and a stealth kill that you can do. Um, yeah. So maybe that's unfortunately where stealth has gone. Maybe. Yeah. That's an interesting topic anyway. It is. That's, that's why I wanted to pose it as a question because it's, it's not only is it discussing how a stealth, stealth game exists in 2021, but the state of the stealth genre. I mean, Metal Gear is gone. I mean, I do think, unfortunately, we're going to see another Metal Gear game. I just don't know when. I probably <laughs> won't be Well, if it's anything like Survive, then... No, If it's anything you. like Survive or MGS5, then it can fall off the back of a truck as far as I'm concerned. Quite right. Um, uh, Hitman's the only one that's still thriving, and I think that's a bit of an, an uh, anomaly. So, yeah. yeah, okay. So let's wrap things up. Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Pandora Tomorrow got a 93 aggregate score from critics in 2004, um, also considering the multiplayer. So did the critics get it right? No, I don't think so. I, I thought Interesting. It, I thought it was all right to play, but when you put it up against the calibre of some of the other games on the list, and there are going to be other games that we cover on this list that I'm going to think, okay, maybe not. And I've said that about a few of them already, but when you're talking about the top 100 games of all time and you've already got another game on this list. And as always, we have to take into consideration that these scores were given out at the time. It's not like, Oh, it's 2021. Let's score some games. You've got to kind of look at the mindset for the time this came out, which was before chaos theory. But even then, for 2004, maybe, maybe stand out, but it surprises me that this game is still on this list. It was fine. I thought it was all right. And I'm saying that as someone that enjoys the Splinter Cell games, but 
I, I, I wouldn't have it on the top 100 list. I don't think it, it didn't so really question, do much for me. Question for you. Mm. Would you, would in your mind, would the original Spin Cell make the top 100 list? Maybe, that's, a, that's a genuine question. Maybe. I don't know. I've not played the original Splinter Cell for about... How old am I? 29. I've not played it for about between 10 to 15 years. Right. I've not played it for a very long time. So I don't know if I could say, yes, it should be on the list or no, it shouldn't be. From From memory, I'd put it on this list above Pandora tomorrow. But... Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't think there's a need for there to be more than one Splinter Cell game on this list. And we've both made our positions very clear on Chaos Theory. But again, I've not played Chaos Theory for probably about 10 to 12 years. So we'll see when we get there. And it'll be interesting to compare those two games. As I say, when we do any game on this list that's part of a series, it'll be interesting to t- take the thoughts when we finish playing through this series with this podcast. But maybe Splinter Cell 1 would be on the list but I'm not sure but I I definitely wouldn't put 2 on this list and we'll see how I feel after we play 3 I'd be surprised if I I think Splinter Cell 3 doesn't deserve to be on here but stranger things have happened (laughs) yeah it'd be be interesting if you completely did a 180 on it absolutely it was worse than Pandora tomorrow and I hated it yeah (laughs) what about you Um, yeah so in many ways I think the original deserves to be here which is counter to what I've been saying but there's a reason for it I think the original deserves to be here more than Pandora Tomorrow mm-hmm. so it's a shame that it got knocked off yeah. now the reasons being it was the first game it was the first one to do all these things and Pandora Tomorrow might have marginally improved upon them which I think it did but without that first step without that game coming along and making everyone pay attention there wouldn't be a sequel otherwise um so splinter cell was the game that came out that wowed everyone on who had who had all consoles with its graphics with its um more pure take on stealth over metal gear um as a genuine contender to metal gear and it's got some fantastic levels to this day uh and as i said before I feel like the AI is a bit fairer on the original game, even though it's got some terribly bad design decisions in there. Um, yeah. But I would prefer to play Pandora tomorrow over the original game, even if I think the original game probably deserves to be there more. And then there's the most player aspect, which it's really hard for us to judge either way on. Um, I mean, oh, I think that's as a, a single player of this game being on this list as well, isn't it? Yeah, I fully agree. And as having played the single player within the last week, um, the seven to eight hour experience with some really good missions, some missions that didn't do anything for me, um, I'd say there are games that deserve to be on this list more. I mean, I think there are two, as, as I said before, two Splinter Cell games that deserve to be on this list, which are Chaos Theory and Double Agent Version 2. Um, but then I also think there are older hitman games that are missing from this list i yeah i just played blood money i just completed that again and i, I still love it i think it's brilliant and that's going to be in one of my 15 games and i think that absolutely deserves to be here more than pandora tomorrow um of course there are going to be some people that love pandora tomorrow because i i've I read about it recently and there are there are some people that are really big fans of pandora tomorrow and they view it as the second best splinter cell game mm. so yeah, not for me though. So I, I'm going to say on this on this on this occasion that the critics did not get it right, and that there are some games that deserve, deserve to be there more. Yeah, definitely agreed. Cool. Okay, so that wraps up. It's been sell Pandora tomorrow. Um, what have we got coming up? Well, we mentioned this last week in our Metal Gear Solid episode, but next week we have a game that both you and me have been. Well, you've not been playing it for a while because you finished it way before me but a game that you and me were playing for quite a long time. Uh, We're finally going to be playing Persona 5 Royal, and I completed it the other day, and I've already started a new game plus on it. I think it's going to be 
I think it's going to be a good episode. I'm really, really looking forward to talking about this game. I'm probably the most excited to talk about this game than I have been of any of the others that we've covered so wow. far. That's really impressive. The, the thing is, all of the games that we've covered so far that I've been really keen to talk about, they've usually been games that I've played before, whereas this yeah. one wasn't. And I'm very excited yeah, to talk about this game. So yeah, next week is Persona 5 Royal. As usual, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can email us at the long and short fit podcast at hotmail.com. As always, if you've enjoyed this episode, please do consider giving us a follow or a subscribe on whatever platform you listen to us on, or share it with a friend, or even if you're feeling extra helpful, give us a give us a little rating. That that'd be nice. Helps other people find us. We enjoy doing this podcast. We hope that you enjoy listening to it. So Yes. Anything else from you before we bid adieu? No, it's just been a longer episode than I anticipated mm. and I've done a lot of talking, but um just goes to show that it is one of the franchises that I do enjoy talking about. We hope you enjoyed the show and as always we look forward to speaking to you, at you, general things in the next one. So yeah, cheerio and take care. See you on the next one.